Thanks for tuning in to our bonus episode preview. This is just a short sample of this week's exclusive Patreon episode. You can hear the episode in its entirety by becoming a member at patreon.com slash indoctrination, where you'll gain access to all of our exclusive episodes and merchandise. It's so nice to have you back, Dan. It's really nice to spend time talking and also to be able to formally announce that you were back by popular demand. Well, I, I am tickled pink. A little encouragement never hurts at any stage of life, right? So Right. I know it's been a it's been an important time for you too. And I and I heard about your new uh BFF Esther Perel, who uh <laughs> <laughs> who quoted you? It was very exciting. I have my new book mentioned in Esther Perel's newsletter, right? Who knew? And of course, here comes the plug, traumatic narcissism and recovery, leaving the prison of shame and fear. And maybe that's what I'll talk about with you today is what does that mean? Leaving the prison of shame and fear. And how to recover. I mean, all of it, all of it is really, really important. So take it away. Well, I'll tell you, what I've been thinking about incessantly now for a while, it began some years ago when I first studied sensory motor psychotherapy with Janina Fisher. And I was uh, introduced to the world of trauma treatments and somatic therapies. And I had not been exposed to this previously because I was psychoanalytically trained, right? That began my understanding of what the trauma treatments were trying to do that was a little different from what psychoanalysis does. And so I am not in any way belittling psychoanalysis. I'm very glad to have had that training. It helps me in every session, in every way. But what I took away from the trauma therapies, the books, the reading from internal family systems, from EMDR, the different things I've been studying. What I've come to realize is that I was trying with very traumatized people, people who were in relationships with abusive narcissists, people who were coming out of cults. I was trying to give them as much of my empathy and my kindness as possible and use my intelligence as much as possible to help them understand themselves. And what I've come to realize is that my empathy and my compassion and my intelligence is good only to the extent that I can help them find their empathy and compassion and use it toward themselves. This is a different way of understanding the work. So when I'm with people who have been traumatized, what I'm typically hearing is that they're very ashamed of having been made to feel hopeless and powerless and overwhelmed and overpowered. That their traumatic experience has left them with shame. You know, we know this about rape victims, domestic violence victims. It's true also of cult survivors, and it's true people who have been in abusive relationships with, a, with an abuser. They feel somehow ashamed of the fact that they have been abused. And I think of that, what that means as having been made to feel powerless, small, helpless, overpowered. And um, it is humiliating. If you've ever been bullied as a kid, it's humiliating. And yet, even kids who get bullied end up feeling that something is wrong with them. It's their fault. So people with trauma come with that level of shame and shame about their 
actual shame about their traumatization. And I would like to work with them in such a way as that they could find compassion for themselves for having been traumatized. And that sounds so obvious and like, of course. I got to tell you, that is the hardest thing. It's the hardest work I've ever done. People are so reluctant to feel compassion for themselves when they have determined that they were, you know, weak. And when they've been humiliated, when they've been disempowered, they are so reluctant to feel compassion for themselves. And really what they want is to pretend that this never happened. That isn't them. That's not me. I hate that guy. I'm trying to be not a sick person, not a person, not a damaged person, not a humiliated person. I don't want to be him. Self-compassion is is so crucial in terms of healing. And I know when I say it, everybody thinks, of course, how could you berate yourself for what happened to you? It's not your fault. It's not that simple. Do you find this as well? It's interesting. Like a lot of very smart ideas, once they're told to you, just like right now, you think, well, yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> why why have, has that never occurred to me before? I mean, it, that is really very smart. And I, and I love the simplicity of it in terms of the idea, but the, the challenge of it in terms of making it happen, because you can adopt the idea as a possibility, but how do you make it happen? The the thing that I can relate to with this, and then I want to hear about how you make it happen, is that sometimes when I talk to people about how to tell their story about what happened to other people, I find, first of all, that there's avoidance in wanting to tell it, which I fully understand. And then sometimes in their telling of it, they keep the focus on the wrong person. They keep it on them. And I, I should have seen this and I, 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 I should have known better or I should have paid attention to the red flags or I should have run faster or whatever else, or I shouldn't have put myself in that situation. And I want there to be such a pronoun shift in that conversation where it is he and she, because it really is their fault. You just happen to be in the way of their lack of conscience or their need to control or whatever it is, but it's not because of you. And I try to have people only use the word I at the end of the story, which is, and I was able to escape and I was able to get some help for it, or I survived, but that the story itself is about them, not about me. That's exactly why I tried to articulate the idea of the traumatizing narcissist. I've tried in both books, the first and second, to make it clear that you got to understand the psychology of this kind of perpetrator. And if you don't know that the traumatizing narcissist is the most needy person you will ever meet, you think you're the needy person. If you don't know that they are so needy that they need to control you with their intimidating and belittling and humiliating behaviors so that you feel stuck, so that you feel that you're hopelessly insufficient without them. If you don't know that, you know, you cannot get out from under the grip of the power. So to tell the story about I should have this and I should have that, 
exactly as you're saying, is missing the point is that you were under the sway of a perpetrator who desperately needed to make you feel bad about yourself so they could control you and exploit you. So that was the whole point of trying to get that concept out there to the mental health profession. Because I know that many therapists are looking for, why did you let yourself be abused? Why? How can we find out about your childhood and what led you to be susceptible to being abused? And that's well-meaning, but it's misplaced. If you're not talking about how did that abuser manipulate and control and exploit, then, you know, you're missing the lead. You're burying the lead. So self-compassion is not going to develop when you're in therapy and you're being told you should look at what it was pathological about how you were brought up that led you to become a victim. That's just not going to develop the self-compassion. I hope for all therapists, coaches, whomever, whoever just heard that will remember that. And also anyone who's pursuing counseling will remember that, that sometimes you know, when someone comes into counseling, I think they don't realize that they can guide the therapy. And so if someone were to sit down and say, okay, yes, we can focus on my past, but what would really actually help for me to be able to have compassion towards myself is if we start the story here and then right and move forward, not back when I was in second grade. Few people who have been traumatized have the wherewithal to be able to tell their therapist that. But wouldn't it be wonderful if they could? It would be wonderful. I'm wondering too about this other piece where so many controllers will teach you to gaslight yourself so that you feel deserving of it or it was for your benefit. And so what happens there? Because that's a, it feels like that's a whole other hurdle. You know, Rachel, I just listened to a New York Magazine podcast about uh, abuses in the therapy world of people using psychedelics. It's called Cover Story. It's extraordinary. But one of the people who was in a psychedelic therapy with a man who eventually raped her, and that literally means had sexual intercourse with her without her consent while she was under the influence of the psychedelics. She was talking to the interviewer and she said, you know, he raped me and that was wrong. And it was rape. Two weeks later, the interviewer was talking to her again. And what she then said was, and I called that into myself. I called it in so that I could be broken. This, now, anybody who's like a well-trained, normal, mainstream therapist, if that's what they're telling people, unfortunately, there, there are a lot of people telling clients that kind of a story. You called in what happened to you so that you could be broken. You know, this is what every cult leader tells every member of a cult, and it's certainly what every perpetrator tells every victim. You call this in, to yourself. And basically your pain isn't my fault. It's actually what you needed or something, some such narrative, right? Again, the growth of self-compassion may be the bait in a lot of uh, relationships, therapies, self-help programs, etc. Oh yes. You're going to learn to love yourself. You know, my cult city yoga, see God within yourself, see God within each other. That sounded so good because I felt like a piece of crap. And the idea that I could see God within me and that was a real thing was so appealing. Yeah, but the end of the story is that I left feeling like that I was the biggest 
failure on earth that I had never given enough, never been devoted enough, never, never understood well enough to be able to rise to receive the Guru's grace. It was all because of my failings, shortcomings, deficiencies. So that's the switch. You know, you're going to learn to love yourself as the bait. And where you end up is you are so deficient that you you can never, ever stop having to pay me to teach you how to be a better person. <laughs> I don't mean it's not funny, but uh, it is so craven. It's such a it's such a naked power grab. And yet it is, there are so many people under the influence of that kind of thinking. 